Our reading from the Gospel is from Luke, and it's printed for you here in your liturgy. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, um, and uh, <laughs> he, he starts here, or, or Luke, or the portion of Luke that we pick up with, uh, we have Jesus saying um, something that's very bracing. He says, be on your guard. In other words, look out, watch out. You've got to pay careful attention to this. And then it's something about forgiveness of all things. Wow. Well, anyway, that's a little bit of a preface to it, but it reminds me that we often don't think carefully or prayerfully enough about what's at stake uh, if we don't take our call to forgive others uh, as very, very, very important. Well, with that thought in mind, let's pray and ask God to bless our reflection on this passage. O oh, Lord, be the one who teaches us through your spirit this morning. Help us to understand the very serious way that you go about healing the world. And help us to understand uh, what's at stake in our participation in this. And then, O oh Lord, meet us with your Holy Spirit. Make us hopeful about what it is that we are made able to do when we participate in your self-giving love. Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, I was thinking recently, what is it that I, what is it that I, I cannot remember if I said any of this last week or not. It was one of those things that was so on my mind that I can't remember if any of it came out or not. It was not part of my scripted um, text, so I can't kind of look at it that way and remember um, and it's not part of my scripted text this morning, but this thing keeps coming up in my mind. And it's this, that why are you here this morning? <laughs> what is it that you are looking to hear? Are, are you looking to, um, to be corrected in your behavior? Are you, um, I don't think so. I don't think probably that's, are you, are you here because you need to feel guilty now, that might be me sometimes, right? It's a residual from, from the way that I grew up. Um, I think what God wants us to want this morning is he wants us to be hopeful about something that is absolutely beyond our imagination, he wants us each Sunday, not just this Sunday, he wants us to be hopeful that what it is that we hear from Scripture, quickened by the Holy Spirit, that what it is that we hear will enable us to live more fully human lives. And he wants us to be hopeful about participating in his healing of the world. And those two things are together. To, 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 to want to come and, and be made more fully human is 
warp and woof, if you will, with participating in God's healing of the world. It's sort of like, all right, man, that's a huge deal. I don't know if I'm up for that. Um, But all by God's grace and mercy. And that's why I say that God wants us to hear that invitation. But he wants us to hear it always as grounded and saturated in hope. Because it's not what we do. It's what we open ourselves to God doing in us and through us. That's a little bit of a preface. Now I want to move toward the text here. Actually reading it would be a good idea. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At Grace Chicago, like most churches, we talk a lot about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as many of you know, gospel means good news. The good news about God's love for all people. The good news that in the death of Jesus on the cross, the sins of the world have been forgiven. And the good news that this forgiveness comes to us human beings sweetly as absolute, utter gift, all grace. Indeed, this is good news. But the good news that is the gospel does not stop there. The good news about God's love at work in the world also importantly includes a startling Bracing, awesome, perhaps somewhat frightening, complimentary truth. And I alluded to it a moment ago. That God's vision for human beings is that we participate in God's self-giving love by being those who are made able by the Spirit to forgive others in the same way that God forgives us. Which is to say that by God's Spirit, we come to see forgiveness not so much as a decision that we make, but as a decision that we cannot help but make. In other words... We're caught up in, if you will, as one theologian puts it, when we understand the true nature of forgiveness at work in the world, God's way of healing the world, we will be caught up in what one theologian calls the helplessness of God. God can do no other. Radical, self-giving love manifests itself in forgiveness, even and especially of enemies. It's something God does 
because it's part of God's nature. It's not a decision for God. It's just what happens when God's nature encounters those who resist God's love. When God encounters those who resist his love, God loves and God forgives. As Miroslav Vov put it in his wonderful book, which a lot of our community groups have studied over the last, well, a little while ago, as he puts it in Giving and Forgiving in a Culture Stripped of Grace, Free of Charge, the main title, Vov memorably says, um, God is a giver and forgiver like ducks are quackers. It's impossible for him to do otherwise. Before we look at the text that's right in front of us this morning again, I want to zoom out a little bit and take note of just how important this theme of loving like God loves is to Luke's presentation of what God is doing to heal the world through Jesus. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is introduced to us with a title that is unique to Luke. Luke introduces Jesus in this way, and I'll read the context and then highlight the unique um, title. This is uh, from chapter 1, when the angel addresses Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And then a little bit later in chapter 6, Luke tells us that Jesus... Well, wait a minute, I I zipped right past this. Um, (laughs) The unique title is that Jesus will be called Son of the Most High. And a little bit later in chapter 6, Luke tells us that Jesus says this to his disciples. This is from Luke's version of the Beatitudes. I say to you, and this is again context, I say to you, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. Love your enemies. Do good. And lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus, in Luke's gospel, is called the son of the most high. And as the daughters and sons of the most high, we will make God's name famous in the world by forgiving enemies 
and being merciful to all, just as our Father in heaven is. This is the way that Jesus will go about healing the world on the throne of David, is to forgive those who oppose him, to love in the face of hatred. Radical self-giving love is then not just how God shows himself to be God, but it is how God heals the world. Um, I think that one of the problems for us is understanding the importance of seeing the heart of God's work to heal the world in this way is that our hyper-individualism really gets in the way here because we think in terms of um, God loves me and God accepts me and that's really good, right? That's wonderful news and I don't want to take, take away from that at all. But the goal of the world to come that we now have the privilege of participating in through faith and repentance and by following Jesus, the goal of the world to come is not just I have a new start with God. It is that all of my life, all of my past, what's present is healed in the future, which includes, importantly, all of the relationships that have not been healed here will be healed in the world to come. So why not start practicing now? Mirsov Voff, again, he's so good on this stuff. He puts it this way, he says, Heaven is more than just a fresh start. It's more than just the creation of a new future. It's also redemption of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Redemption of our whole lived lives. If the past which is suffused with enmity is to be redeemed, it's not enough for us to be given a fresh start as individual people. Our relationships will have to be restored. Hence, the final social reconciliation of those who died unreconciled must be part of the transition from the present world to the world to come. Everything depends on what it is that you think of as God's goal in healing the world. God's goal in healing the world is, by, is, is inextricably caught up in God's desire to heal the enmity that exists between human beings. And if we're to be recognized as sons and daughters of the Most High, and if we're to make God's love for the world famous, then we do indeed have to take very seriously that to participate in God's life is to take very seriously that we can do no other than to ask God's spirit to enable us to always, always be eager to forgive. To make it our default switch, if you will.
Um, this is what the world is hungry for. And this is what is void, so devoid, in our cultural conversations right now. We, as a world, struggle to see that God's healing of the world starts with our desire to forgive each other. Stephen Fowl um, puts it this way. He says, Christian community is definitively judged by the forgiveness that enables and calls Christians to be reconciled and reconciling people. Indeed, it is the quality that is most attractive to a broken and alienated world. It's the quality that's most attractive to a broken and alienated world. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I struggle with forgiveness. I really, really do. It's like, you know, if, if people hurt me, it is very difficult for me to want to love them and to want to forgive them. And I'm just, you know, taking a moment here, personal transparency to say that because when Jesus says to the disciples, uh, be on your guard, watch out. Um, If someone comes to you and asks your forgiveness, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times a day and says, I repent, you must forgive. By prefacing it that way, by saying, be on your guard, Jesus is saying that there's something that if you don't pay attention to, it's going to be the undoing of the integrity of your life, and it's going to be the undoing of the integrity of the community that you belong to. Now, that is a word that is hard to hear. Um, You know, it's like we hear that and we think, surely that can't be the main point of what God is doing in the world, but sisters and brothers and friends, um, at the heart of the gospel, God heals the world by forgiving God's enemies. And the challenge for us is, how can we live into that? How can we have the imagination to think that that's true when everything in our society tells us that that's a chump way to live? (laughs) You're a chump if you live like that, right? Um, It is by reminding each other at this table, and it is by experiencing among each other the courage to say, hey, you hurt me here, and then to be forgiven and reconciled. In other words, to practice it over and over again. And by being that kind of community, we demonstrate not only who God is, but we put to work and demonstrate how it is that God is healing the world. May it be that Grace Chicago Church, may it be that that, that your life and the life that you live with your friends and your family, may it be that somewhere in the top 10 things 
that people think about you. Somewhere in the top 10 things that people think about our church community is that's a group of people that talk about the importance of forgiveness and they live that out. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, make that, O Lord, true of each of us as individuals and indeed as a church community. Amen.